One area of which man, when he begins to disidentify from self and begins to observe the self, is frequently missed, as we find in many, many people. As they observe the self, there are certain things that are not noticed because they are so generally accepted as being of great value. And it seems that the constant suggestion from without and the suggestion from within causes I to fail to notice that this is a very decided deception a piece of conditioning that may prevent one from experiencing certain higher spiritual experiences. We will refer to explanations, and we will probably call them sacred cows, because explanations are what we feel is necessary, and the conditioned man always feels it's necessary for every phenomena. He has to have an explanation. Now, it might be interested interesting to look at the word explanation. X means it's gone away and it was plain and Asian. So it has gone away from plainness. Here is a simple fact. It has a certain value. But immediately that peculiar word why hops up and says why did it do that? You see that is one of the things that man can string words together or one word with a question mark after it and feels he has asked a question. The word why is really not a question. Somewhere we read that why was a scorpion with a thousand tails and every time you broke one off it had two more grow in its place. Because no matter what explanation you get for one why then the next question is, well, why that? How come it's that way? So an explanation is given. We don't require an explanation for a given phenomena. It's there. I don't require an explanation as to why the temperature is 68 degrees or why it suddenly falls to 22 degrees. It did, and the point is, what do I want to do about it? What do I see is the fact and what is the value that would be required? So, but uh, we have been told, especially by the decision that says believe and do as you're told by your authority, that we must believe and defend our explanations, or in other words, there really are speculations. We believe that it is the one and only explanation that is acceptable. And to question the explanation is really what? It is to be questioned the authorities because what they really give is an explanation. And one knows one must not accept, ask any question or question the veracity of the explanation of any given authority because the authority gets quite disturbed if it do. Now, when there is a provable fact involved, the car won't start because the gas tank is empty, we make a discovery of that fact rather than have merely an explanation. Now, if we say, well, the gas tank is empty, the car won't start, we have made a discovery. And that we have verified by checking the gas gauge or shaking the car or sticking a match down the uh, vent in the gas tank. That will usually answer you very quickly, I'm told. We make a discovery of facts, 
and those don't require any explanations at all. You see, people only fight over explanations. They don't fight over facts. The fact is something that is agreed upon, that there is a given event taking place, but then the explanation for the event causes considerable hassle amongst people. The explanation of a dream can be used to my advantage, but the human mind can get hung up on all those explanations. Now, one can take any dream state or anything and use it as a symbol. And consequently, they can be very useful to illustrate a point, to describe a parallel, to get across something that you want to do. But an explanation has uses but they are not to be accepted that they are facts or that it was the only explanation. Uh, we have frequently suggested to people that if they could see at least two explanations, they wouldn't get hung up in any one explanation. They would know that they're all a tentative, something that would lead to discovery. As long as we know we have two or more explanations for a given event, then if we're really interested, we could begin to experiment to discover a fact, and we no longer need an explanation. But if we only have one explanation, we're very apt to defend that explanation as being a fact. And these defense of explanations can lead to many things. You see, vanity accepts one explanation as fact, and then pride defends it. And this can bring about world wars, believe it or not. <clears throat> Great numbers of people attach themselves to an explanation and they gather together in agreement. Now, what would you call that thing? When a great number of people accept an explanation and gather themselves into a group in agreement, we probably would say that that is an organization or that it is an ideology or some such thing. And if you want to get yourself in some good trouble, maybe even risk your life, go question those explanations in that group. You will find that they are quite concerned in maintaining the explanation as a sacred cow. It is considered sacred, and no one must question it, because the questioning of it is, indicates a hearsay and you may very well find your very life existence threatened as a living, walking being. But if you'll always give at least two explanations for everything, you will find that you do not have to defend. And it is interesting if we will pursue a number of things that we have as explanations which we have accepted as facts. They may prove to remove many obstructions to experiencing other states of being. So in this week, we will make us a chart that says explanations and are they facts. Explanations are hyphen are they facts. And we will begin to look at many things that we heretofore accepted as a fact that really are only an explanation of a given phenomenon. 
Now, where there is only one explanation of a phenomenon, which we cannot make a discovery, we can leave it alone. But most often we have to form an explanation or somebody comes along and provides an explanation. And many times we have set us at a place where we will be in a state of confusion. We may even start defending it. When somebody comes along and questions that explanation, and we unknowingly have an idol. <clears throat> but if one will observe for everything that you don't know about, there is a given phenomenon, and you can't see how all of its workings are, you will see that you can form two or more hypotheses, which is the scientific name. Now, when the scientist knows that his hypotheses are only tentative, that it gives him a start for his means of working. We start with the idea, with the hypothesis, that it's possible for man to have a higher state of being. Now, that is only a hypothesis, and we know it is such. We also start with a hypothesis that it's possible for a man to disidentify from the self and have a point of awareness, I, that observes the self without condemning or justifying is to be totally acquainted with the self over a period of time. That is a hypothesis. But then a hypothesis is subject to an experiment. So we can begin to experiment. If the experiment seems to carry out, we can advance the hypothesis to a state of a theory. And then if the theory has many more experiments run on it, all in the attempt to dis prove the theory, not to prove it. Make every effort to disprove the possible hypothesis or theory. Then it advances to a state of high degree of probability if we cannot disprove the hypothesis. But an explanation is taken as an article of belief, ordinarily called an article of faith. And on this explanation, we are either loyal or we are disloyal. We either defend it with our very life or we are weaklings and do not strong in the faith of believing this particular explanation. It is most interesting to begin to ask people why, know what you're doing, that they are asking a really unanswerable question and see what they can do. When they have given an answer, then ask the next question. Why do you think that is that way? Why do you think that this explanation is correct? Why is the world so formed that it is? Now we can observe from self-observation that the infant made a decision that the whole purpose of living is to be non-disturbed. We can observe self, see what it's working at, we can go around and check out as many little ones as you can find, and there's usually quite an adequate crop of them, and you will find that that's what he's working on. In other words, his behavior, his attitude, everything about him indicates what he is really valuing. Now, we don't have to say why he does this. I don't know. Do you? He does. We could give some tentative hypothesis that he comes into a world and finds all sorts of stimuli, but that is a parable. The picture of man is a parable. 
a parable of the existence of every man, the parallel. Parable is a parallel. So the fact is that we see the child does this, but we don't know why he does it. Now, we frequently have heard the question, well, why did a creator put man in here when he would knowingly know that he would make this decision and begin to serve mammon? You see, that is a hypothesis. The question is improperly put. We don't know the answer. But the point is we can work with the fact. We can work with the fact that man is conditioned. But we could hypothecate and philosophize for the next thousand years as to why man is subject to conditioning. Why does he become conditioned? We can only observe a fact, and a fact we can always deal with. The explanation cannot be dealt with because it is a hypothesis, it is a possible explanation based on something of in the mind imagining or coming to some conclusion without the process of experimenting with the idea. Now, if one is experimenting always to find why something, one is on a merry-go-round, and one goes round and round and round. But if one is experimenting to see what is and to see what can be done about it, then one is on a straight and narrow path. Now, if you will observe, you will find much more people asking why something is than experimenting as to what is the fact and what is can be done about it. What is the value of the fact? While it really does exist, it has a value. We will see that the conditioned mind, the conditioned self, is very busy making explanations, defending explanations, and hypothecating as to how the situation can be prevented, or what the ideal situation would be that would be different from what is. They will explain how men would be better under another circumstance, and nobody has ever tried it yet. So, men can live without explanations, but most often we live by a mono-explanation, one which we must defend. So we're going to observe this week these explanations, and it's very easy to explain and discover what an explanation is. It is an answer to a why. Now, all of us started off in childhood asking many why questions. Why is this? The mother calls her child and says, come in the house. The child says, why? Mother says, because it's getting dark or it's getting cold. And he says, why is it getting dark or cold, as the case may be? And she says, it is because the sun is going down or because there's a cold foot coming through. And he says, why did the sun go down? And mother says, because the earth turned around. And he says, why did the earth turn around? And mother runs out of explanations and says, shut up and come in the house. But you see that to be caught in explanations is to be in a prison, a prison where one is caught in a trap that goes round and round and around like the cage that a squirrel goes in. He is defending constantly a explanation. And other people have other explanations for those 
same phenomenon, and they are defending theirs. Do you know what happens? A fight. And a fight on certain scale is called war. And on a certain other scale is called world war. So, the idea of being secure at all times possibly demands explanation because most of us seem to be uncomfortable with the unknown. So, in order to gain comfort and pleasure when we meet a fact and it is somewhat unknown to us, then comes the scramble for an explanation. And then once we have come up with an explanation comes the defense of that explanation. So if we observe again that a person is not interested in explanations unless they're seeking for security. You see, the search for security demands an explanation. And then the person has a feeling of not being in the unknown. You probably will observe in whatever town you live that there is many palmists, there is many astrologers, there is many fortune tellers, all which pretend that they are capable of telling the person the future. And so they're quite busy. Now, if a person is uncomfortable with the unknown, they will seek the quackery of fortune telling. If they're quite comfortable with the unknown, see life as an ever-changing unfolding and knowing that X will always handle every situation as it arises then there is no struggle to have the unknown made known by an explanation or a foretelling or a prophecy or any other such thing. The Christ advised people that if they were picked up by the judges or by the police and take to the magistrate that they were not to plan their defense, not try to figure out what they should give as an explanation of their behavior because as they were in the place where words were required, they would be put in their mouth that moment. You see, this is knowing X, knowing that whatever one reports to X, X does the appropriate thing for what is reported. But you see, when one is looking for explanations and to foretell the future, to have everything known, so that because one is insecure with the unknown, one doesn't believe one has not experienced, one hasn't even seen the manifestations of X. One who does not see the manifestations of X, at least, must be considered very blind spiritually. One has seen a dead body and see that it can do nothing. One sees a living being and that that body is performing all sorts of interested actions. And there's something invisible something that is not material that is bringing about all that function, something that when it's there, there is beauty, warmth, intelligence, activity, great skills, great grace of movement, and the split second that that something which we refer to as a spirit is not there, then it begins to be cold and rigid and has no motion and falls flat. So anyone who doesn't see X is, of course, blind, and only the blind seek for explanations 
to try to make them comfortable in the darkness. But the explanation is not a light. It is only the promise of a light. And man hungers for light. And light he can only have when he discovers for himself that I can observe the self and begins to throw all manner of light in that dark area, much of which corners are filled up with explanations. So we're going to observe the explanations. We're putting more light in that area called the self. Possibly we're putting a light where we had forgotten to throw the light before because they have been so respectable that it is never thought of looking at explanations as bits of conditioning based upon the urge to be secure, which is the urge to have the ideal because the only will hope for the security is to have the ideal of non-disturbance. So when one wants security, one wants assurance. One doesn't want an unknown. But you see, it's always unknown. What the next moment holds is unknown. What would have happened had you went somewhere instead of what you're doing this moment? Had you went out to a party, or had you went to a show, or had you went to visit some neighbor? You don't know what would have happened. You see, we live in an unknown. That is a challenge by moment to moment. And what more joyful state of existence could there be to live in a continual state of surprise, of wonder, and without trying to be secure by knowing what ought to be, not trying to be secure by explaining every phenomenon, by stating every situation with a philosophy as to the explanation. One can see effect and see the value of the fact to one at this moment. X then responds, and one doesn't need to have the explanation. One doesn't need to know the future. One doesn't need to have security. There is a legend told by the Hopi Indians that their villages are never built by a river because a man who has his fields by the river can gain irrigation. But the Tehopi's fields are the high barren deserts, the high mesas, and that he has no irrigation ditches in his field. So he must live by his faith, his ability to contact his God, and that the rains come. It is an interesting thing that maybe we could all live on a high mesa far from the river of explanations so that we can depend that we report accurately to X the fact, and the value is the fact as we see it to us at the moment, and X operates upon it, and no explanation is required. In fact, it would be rather a fallacy. It is like trying to live where one could always have the irrigation water. <clears throat> and, of course, that water really doesn't provide much except it gives one a feeling of assurance that I know I'm not in the unknown because the one is frightened of the unknown. And obviously we see that we can ask why. That is possible. But can you ever answer it? Or is it the scorpion with a thousand tails that when you break off one, he grows two more? And 
in order to see the what of any situation, we don't have to know why that what is present, and we don't know have to know how to do anything about it. X is quite capable of taking care of the how if we only give it the what and the what's the value of it to us at this moment. We don't have to say why it happened. X is uninterested, only mammon. And, of course, mammon enjoys this because it keeps everyone in conflict and struggle. And if there is a literal devil, I can see that one of his greatest tools is the one word, why, with a question mark after it. Because then he gets people to invent explanations. And once one person gets an explanation and another one gets an explanation, they can fight. Or if each person who gets the explanation gets many others to agree that his explanation is correct, and another one gets many others to agree that his explanation is correct on the other side, then we have war. And we have mutual eradication of human beings. It is the ultimate of sleep. And possibly we can be awake somewhat more if we are aware of the explanations that we have not taken out and examined in the light of I observing the self. And much of the self is explanations. So we may have ignored this little corner of explanations. It hasn't been specifically brought up before. So this week we're looking for explanations. We're going to write down the ones that we have that's been accepted and have not been investigated. And we're going to see if there are any use to them. If they can be investigated, one can make a discovery and it ceases to be an explanation. It is a fact. And if it cannot be, one sees the uselessness of the explanation in the first place. It isn't going to change anything. If I could, in the woods, in the winter time, and the temperature is 14 degrees below zero, should I go into a long explanation as to why the temperature is 14 degrees below zero, or should I build a fire? 